Yo and hello everybody, welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe, the podcast that recaps Canadian classic Radio Free Roscoe. I'm Jody. I'm Sammy. And we're wondering, do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? Because boy do we ever. So this week we were talking about season one, episode seven, Political in Pink. Iconic. Yes, this is one of the ones I remember most clearly. Yeah. So this initially aired August 29th, 2003. It was directed by Graham Lynch who also directed like a bunch of random series that I remember from growing up. Oh. Uh, he did some work on 15 Love oh. and um, Degrassi, of course. Also worked on Till Debt Do Us Part. Oh my God! With Gail <laughs> Vaz Oxley! Yep, yep, yep. And then also did 14 episodes of Undercover Boss Canada. Whoa! And uh, the 2014 season of The Bachelor Canada. Whoa! Yeah. Wow. Ton of stuff under his belt now. Great. And uh, this episode was written by Swith Bell. So this episode guest stars Sarah Farb as Jennifer Peoples. She later went on to play a character called Poetry Girl in an episode of Life with Derek. Oh. So that's fun. Rajiv Surendra as Barney Oscarson, who you may know as Kevin, the mathlete from Mean Girls. He essentially plays the same character as he does in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Natalie Manuel as Pinkhead. Natalie Manuel hasn't really done anything since, but Sarah Farb and Rajiv Surendra have had really interesting careers since then. Mm-hmm. Sarah Farb made her Broadway debut last year. Oh my goodness. In Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Who did she play? Ensemble. Replacement. <laughs> <laughs> so she's she's starting to break in there, but she's... There's no shame in being ensemble. There's only shame in being in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yeah, fair enough. But no, she's a super active theater actor. She's done lots of stuff in the Stratford Festival. Uh, she was named in now Toronto's top 10 Toronto theater artists of 2018. Wow. She's currently developing an original musical that's going to have its world premiere in Toronto in spring of this year. What? (laughs) You need to go see Sarah Farb, the musical. And then Rajiv Surendra, unfortunately, hasn't done a whole lot of acting. He played Kevin and he played uh, Barney Oscarson. But in 2016, he wrote a book called The Elephants in My Backyard. And it's a memoir of his failed attempts to win the lead role in the 2012 film Life of Pi. What? Yeah. Oh my god. It's apparently, I really want to read it now. Like, I feel like we're going to have to start, like, a letterboxed and a Goodreads. And, like, all <laughs> well, these we'll do a segment on it where we, like, recap a chapter every episode. Yes. Uh, it was a long-listed candidate for the 2017 edition of Canada Reads, and he was nominated for the Kobo Emerging Writer Prize in 2017. And now he's, uh, these days, he's a successful chalk artist living in New York. What? Yeah! Wow. I love diving into, like, the stories of these one-off characters. It's really fun. That's a very... So they just go everywhere. A very cool journey. Thank you, thank you. I'm Jennifer Peoples, of course. We open with, like, the ch- cheesiest, like, MIDI music opening for all the great music in this show. Yeah. And some really cheesy music, too. But at least that one was supposed to be. Yes. Like, canonically very cheesy. It is suitably cheesy as we open on, uh, basically, this character, Jennifer Peoples, very teen yuppie style. She's running to be the class president. And as she says, she was class president last year. And Lily mentions, like, she's been class president since kindergarten? What kind of student government do you need in, like, first grade? You can barely govern your own bodily autonomy. <laughs> How are you supposed to govern other tiny bodies? This this whole kind of display is really over the top for, like, student government. She's got oh, a bunch is. of cheerleaders behind her. Yeah. Like, she's got music. I think she's got balloons. Like, yeah. it's... 
It's a lot. It's intense. Jennifer is very specifically running for ninth grade class president. Yeah. So there's a tier of government at each grade, Mm -hmm. which wasn't a thing at my high school. It was just there was a council in the 12th grade. Yeah. What was your school like? I think there were reps for the grades. Like there was a council and then I think you had like your grade 10 rep and your grade 11 rep or something like Mm -hmm. that. That's the thing is like, I don't remember. It was so far out of my wheelhouse. I was like... The weird kid who hung out in media club and procrastinated and went to the farmer's market. Like I'm not like other girls. I procrastinate. I procrastinate. Yeah. But I was actually, oh man, we had this teacher in junior high who was very like school spirit and he and this other new teacher who came in when I was in grade eight, like tried to make student council happen when it hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And so me and a few of my friends decided to run together, but we needed a grade nine to be part of the team for some reason so so we got this guy who none of us knew super well (laughs) and we called ourselves team horizon and i designed the logo and ms paint oh my goodness i have the card somewhere oh my god you have to find that we have to share that on our socials it's such a blur i can't remember if there was election all i know is that like we won but then we didn't really do anything I don't even know, man. So Wait, did did you have a role? Did you have a title? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I was the MS Paint person. We tried a few different things when we were in middle school. We ba- briefly tried to make like an online middle school newspaper on like free webs that I did like comics for. That would have been around Radio Free Roscoe times. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I saw political in pink and wanted to get involved or something. <laughs> Yeah, I never did student council stuff. We had, at that same middle school, a thing called the Community of Caring, where yes. you would do kind of organize the event kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would help out with that. But yeah, once I got to high school, it was like I did band and theater stuff, but like student government was just so far from my mind. Yeah. Although I remember the race for my grade 12 class presidency. It was actually, the role was actually prime minister. We had a school prime minister Amazing. Instead. Very good. Um, so Canadian. Yeah. But I remember it being very intense and uh, the girl who won, who was like the person that most people in my friend group and myself wanted to win, had um, t-shirts printed. I think her her family either owned or was affiliated with like a t-shirt printing company. Oh. So I think I still have like the, the like vote for t-shirt. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like one of those things where like sometimes if I'm visiting with my friends from high school, you'll like see them wearing it or... You'll find it in their closet, and you're like, aw. Man, I would have flipped my shit if in this RFR episode they said, like, Jennifer Peoples was running for prime minister. Like, <laughs> great prime minister. I know. I know. I, I feel like I've told people a few times that it, we had a school prime minister, and they're all like, what the fuck? I love it. You know, why doesn't Jennifer ever have any competition? I mean, someone's got to run against her for once. You mean somebody other than Barney Oscarson? The gang is sitting in the cafeteria listening to Jennifer Peoples kind of give her speech and explain her platform. She's dressed like a spokesmodel for Northern Reflections. It's such a weird combo. She's got a scrunchie, but then, yeah, a string of pearls and an extremely conservative, like... Your, your conservative aunt sweater. <laughs> but the boys say somebody's got to run against her, or at least somebody other than Barney Oscarson, and we cut to Barney Oscarson outside rapping into a megaphone. Let's get more science on this curriculum. Vote for a boss who's got some rap. Also really helps that I rule out math. So he's like kind of vaguely giving his platform, but one thing on his platform is to get more science in the curriculum. Which, A, what does that mean? Yeah. More science is a very general term. Yeah. But also, why is that, like, at the level of student government? Yeah, that's not 
that's not i feel like that's a provincial issue <laughs> the students are powerless <laughs> what do you even do in student government i i don't know i, I don't feel like it was it. a lot of like event organizing for my friends that were on it i mean there were like ministers for like different areas there was like a sports mm-hmm. minister there was like a a faith minister mm-hmm. so like there'd be people in charge of like i guess organizing Jesus. or promoting maybe certain yeah. things what kind of change can you actually affect as a student and knowing you know waller's tyrannical grip how much does your advocacy actually count yeah. <laughs> although this is kind of starting to paint a picture because early on when robbie was first auditioning for cougar radio he was talking about um a fundraiser to get new petri dishes yes i was so just thinking about what that. is wrong with the science at this yeah. school yeah yeah so now, now we're adding in this narrative that Waller is potentially very anti-science. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, the only other fun thing is that because his name is Barney Oscarson, he's got a t-shirt that says B.O. Yeah. And then the back of it says the smell of victory. Yeah. He's just an amazingly fully realized character in all of like the five seconds that we see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you really understand him right away. Yeah. So we cut back to the gang listening to Jennifer's speech. And she says that her in her government, she wants to instate a zero-tolerance policy for racism, classism, and sexism. Again, why is that the level of student yeah, government? Why have... isn't that already established within the school? Good lord, yeah. How do they not have that already? Yeah. What is going on at Roscoe? <laughs> oh, what no. What kind of hate crimes? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, th- th- I'm, I'm so confused. Like, was that not already in place? Yeah, that's weird. Jennifer, after, you know, saying she's going to have, like, a zero-tolerance policy on all these forms of hate, immediately follows up saying she's going to crack down on socially deviant forms of personal (laughs) expression, which, you know, Waller probably is, like, cool with. Yeah. So that's bothering Lily. So she asks Jennifer what she means by that. And Jennifer gives, you know, like, saying, oh, anything that means you don't want to fit in. And she gives... To, like, a very extreme example of tattooing I hate Roscoe on her forehead. And then she basically singles out the character, who we know only in the credits as Pinkhead, for having pink hair. Yeah. I just love that dichotomy of, like, getting a tattoo on your forehead versus just coloring your hair. <laughs> and it's it's so, like, mean. It's such, it like, is. a targeted thing. Especially, oh I mean, like... If she she wants to like run this as a politician, it's just like turn and gave like a big old fuck you to like one person yeah. sitting in the room. She's mean. She's so mean. Yeah. And I I also have to reiterate if we haven't said this is all taking place in the tiny cafeteria with yep. presumably ten people in the room. <laughs> yep. If this is assumed to be representative of the ninth grade, <laughs> there's got to be like fifty kids in this school. <laughs> <laughs> But didn't Lincoln also say that um, he wanted a government by the people of the people for the people, not just Jennifer Peoples? So yeah, so Jennifer points out Pinkhead, really kind of volleys with her back and forth with some witty comebacks, and everybody claps for Lily, and suddenly they're like, hey, Lily, maybe you should run for president, including Travis, who says, right on, sister. Oh, boy. There's lots of good travesties in this episode. Such a fun choice of words. <laughs> Watch out. Should that song encourage social deviance? I'll take full responsibility for it. You know who I want to be taking full responsibility? Lily Randall. So we go to RFR later that day, and Robbie kind of calls Lily out and says on the air that he wants he wants to see some action from Lily Randall. And Lily, obviously, in the room is very, like, thrown off. 
and everybody has this kind of thinly veiled interaction of them trying to continually encourage yeah, Lily and like, her it's like just a fluke, faking yeah. it. She wouldn't want to do this. Yes. She also describes herself when she's saying like why Lily shouldn't run. She says, sure, Lily may be funny and cute. <laughs> yeah. Love yourself. <laughs> Lily's the best. <laughs> but also like as if those were the reasons why they thought she should run. Actually, she's cute. Yeah, she's cute. I'm pretty sure today was just a flute, guys. It only takes one person to start a revolution. Look what Che Guevara did for Cuba. We get Travis getting excited about Che Guevara. <laughs> I, have a, I have a note in my uh, uh, notes that just says Cuba. <laughs> K-O-O-B-A. I, I, I don't think you can say Cuba, Travis. Yeah. Well, Smug doesn't say a lot, but he manages to say a lot when he says something. <laughs> we kind of got into this in the last episode, but now I'm kind of thinking like beyond how people came to know about Travis but what their reaction was the first time that they heard Travis speak were they just like who's that who's this man yeah exactly what? who the hell is this guy <laughs> who's this man who just chimed in to talk about Che Guevara and didn't say anything else hello I can yodel people don't make me prove it Okay, I would totally make him prove it. We go to after the after the show, we go back to the cafeteria because this is where everything happens. Even though we saw an assembly in the gym last episode, the cafeteria is the place to be. Principal Waller's trying to get everyone's attention, and his threat is, "I can yodel. Don't make me prove it." I want to hear a Waller yodel. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm I'm kind of like the other end of. I just think that's like a very fun thing, like that a principal would like tangibly yeah. say, just that's, as like a goof on these students. It's kind true. of like a. Like, not quite a dad joke, but just kind of like a, a silly little dynamic. And that's... I just, like, liked it as a little throwaway line. No, that's a good point. I guess my thinking was, like, having seen so serious he is, I, I, like, I thought it's like, no, he actually can yodel. He does not joke with these students. <laughs> yeah, we have to keep that in, like, our running list of Waller facts. Yeah, he can yodel. He has a snow globe. Get you a man who can yodel and has a snow globe of his high school. Yes, and we'll put a picture of you kissing on his desk. <laughs> sound like a threat oh that's that's fair that's fair maybe yeah if, maybe it's watch out or he'll put a picture of you kissing somebody <laughs> but yeah no yodels snow globes has many radios it's like one of those like facebook tag yourself memes yes <laughs> now if you could please give the same kind of attention to our newest candidate for ninth grade presidents lily randall lily's running i'm also confused about the process for applying for student government true if jennifer was already giving her speech wouldn't lily have had to apply by then yeah i feel like there would have been a cutoff point yeah unless it's like, like pops in the next day and was like hey you need to set up an assembly for me unless it's like the american federal election cycle where they start it way early oh yeah people just kind of like pop in yeah yeah that is weird i feel like yeah you have to have your mom sign your paperwork or whatever and get it in like ahead of time <laughs> yeah just like in the US federal election yeah <laughs> no i love the ugly ass election posters behind lily like the photographs in them of jennifer and barney they kind of look like missing people photographs yeah <laughs> like these are the ugliest posters ever and they look uh, they're just kind of scary. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so totally nervous, nervous right now. now. I, I mean, mean, I'm sweating in places I've never sweat before in um, my heart. Well, just take a listen for yourself. We established pretty early on in the show that Lily has pretty bad stage fright. So doing this public speaking is is not really her gig, but she kind of uses that and 
uses how nervous she is to show that you know she's just a person like everyone else and so their leader should just be you know a, a regular person yeah who has like that the same kind of nervous feelings everyone else does can you imagine like now i'm picturing like justin trudeau or something being like hey guys i'm nervous listen <laughs> just like holding the microphone <laughs> to his heart <laughs> So Lily's speech manages to turn everybody around. Like at the beginning, they couldn't give a shit. And by the end, they're like clapping and cheering. And uh, yeah, she ends up accidentally coining her campaign slogan. And if you think that you want to dye your hair pink, then think pink. And yeah, it's super catchy. Ray is totally on board. He wants to be her coach. (laughs) Waller is visibly frustrated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. We then go into a montage of campaigning stuff that's kind of narrated by Robbie doing this, like, political radio ad kind of thing. But we get these shots of, like, Ray and Travis blowing up pink balloons. I don't know where they're putting them. I think they're just hanging out in the gym blowing up balloons, but we don't see them putting them anywhere. (laughs) Well, we know all the assemblies happen in the cafeteria, so it's probably safe to keep them in there. (laughs) They're just hanging out in the gym blowing up balloons. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. Lily's putting up posters. And then we see, like, people in the cafeteria line being fed what looks like maybe pink mac and cheese it is the most unappetizing (laughs) disgusting looking thing ever it's just like this gross like pink pile of slop it looks like you know vote for what's on the inside here you go yeah but (laughs) it's what's on the inside but more than that like how would you pull that off how would you convince the staff to be like can Mm -hmm. you just like dye that pink yeah just toss some food coloring in there yeah i feel like the kitchen staff do not give a shit about any of this. <laughs> Your ninth grade <laughs> political agenda. Yeah, like, you do not pay me enough to dye this shit pink. Yes. This is not happening. Yes. How Ray walks down the stairs buttons? absolutely covered in think pink buttons. We actually do know where the balloons go. They're all over this one staircase, which definitely isn't allowed. Yeah. That's an absolute fire hazard. But they're also floating, so they're helium filled. So why were Ray and Travis blowing them up? I don't know. Maybe this is another thing we don't know about Travis. <laughs> Add this to the Travis facts. He exhales helium. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yeah, and like the janitor's wearing like a pink suit. You do not get the janitor on side and then leave a bunch of balloons for him to clean up. That's not oh how my that God. Works. There's no respect for the staff. <laughs> yeah. Just like here, care about this. <laughs> um, okay. So what's up, Jay peeps? What's up is that Lily's campaign is a total joke. Why did he write line one? It's not anybody's name. (laughs) I'm confused too. So we go back to RFR sometime in the in the close future. And Travis, usually when he writes on his chalkboard, he writes like the name of the caller so they know who they're addressing. But he just writes line one. Yeah, why you could just hold up your finger to show like one or it would probably be on the little telephone thing. Yeah, they they can always see the flashing light. Yeah. We get the reveal of who's on line one. It's Jennifer Peoples calling in to roast Lily because she hasn't actually done anything. She's just got a campaign slogan, but she doesn't have any policies. Yeah, which I mean... It's a fair point, but Jennifer's so mean about it. She's just so mean. <laughs> she's yeah, she's she's so aggressive and like she doesn't take any time to be like, she doesn't have policies. Here are my policies. Mm-hmm. She's just like, no, this person's a joke. And then yeah, Ray panics and tries to like fake interference so that they cut her off and Travis brings in a song. Just hold on, Lily will be here. Of course I'm here. I wouldn't miss this photo for anything. Lily! School the next day, we get Ray, who is now acting as Lily's campaign manager, talking with Jennifer. Lily's apparently late to a photo shoot of all of the candidates. 
But when Lily walks in, we get the reveal that she's dyed her hair pink. And that's like her big political statement. Yes. That's her policies. <laughs> you dye your hair. I don't know. Dye your hair. <laughs> so she's sitting with the boys at lunch. They're chatting and being like, oh, my God, your hair is pink. And just kind of in awe of it. Travis takes a picture of her and calls her Pinkahontas. No. Which is the second Pocahontas joke. Can we not? The <laughs> They're really stuck in the Pocahontas thing. Oh, no. Just just don't do that. Don't call someone Pinkahontas. Yeah. No. But we get the return of Travis's... His cell phone camera. His cell phone camera. Which is nice. Yeah. Because you know? he had established a few episodes ago that he wanted to chronicle the RFR years. So we get kind of like a little continuation of that. And I think yeah. it's sweet. But if he's a spy, where's he sending those photos to? What's his mission at yeah. Roscoe if he is a spy? Yeah. What does he need from these 14-year-olds? I don't know. Do you think Waller has any part to play in that? Does he I have to spy on say, Waller? Yeah. Maybe he's like trying to get info on Waller because like, you know... Waller's got this weird sort of totalitarian thing going on. I don't know. There's something happening. So Principal Waller shows up in the cafeteria and they're like, oh no, here comes Waller. Like setting it up as if it's going to be this confrontation. Lily just kind of walks by him and he calls her back. And I don't understand what's supposed to be happening here. Is she in I, trouble for dyeing her hair? Because we've already <laughs> established there's a student who's had pink hair for a long time. Yeah. Like, it's obviously not violating a ton of policies if that student has had pink hair for a long time. So what? Why is he bad? I don't know. Like, this is... I don't, I don't know what this scene is supposed to be. I don't know why she, like, brings a bottle of juice and just kind of stands there and drinks it and waits for Waller to see her. Like, I don't... There's a, I have so many questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they're just trying to rile Waller up, but there's yeah. like nothing that she can be in trouble for. So the fact that he calls her out is weird. Yeah. But then Ray sets everybody off um, and gets them all chanting think pink to kind of deter Waller for the time being. And he says, this is no way to win an election. And he, he lets it go. And uh, then we get a really cute line from Ray when he <laughs> says, just think when Lily's president, I'll be the first lady. It's just a good line. It's a good little fun. It's cute. We go to RFR again, we're back on the show, and we get, like, this ad that Travis has made. It's the motto that started at Henry Roscoe High, but it spread around the world like a red sock and a load of whites. First to France. Passe en rose! And I actually love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, great. He's clearly put a lot of work into it, and I'm like, oh, Travis is just trying so hard to make friends, or at least, like, integrate into this group enough that they're not suspicious of him. <laughs> Put his audio intelligence skills to uh, to good use. We we get a couple of shots of students presumably around the school starting to wear pink. And we get like this group of girls hanging out. And one of them is like wearing a pink shirt and her friend like points at it. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> like, like she hasn't done. It's not like she's dyed her hair pink. Yeah. It's not like she's done. She's, she's just wearing, wearing a pink, pink shirt. shirt and they're freaking out. Yeah. Like, it's just like, she could have worn that shirt last Thursday. Like, who oh cares? It's it's so extra. The The radio oh. ads, like both the one that Robbie did and Travis is here are, are just like really fun little touches. Yeah. And it's. It's kind of fun because that's the kind of, like, campaigning that only Lily can do of mm -hmm. all of the candidates, yeah. you know? Like, she's the only one who has that spread via RFR. It makes me think of the only time I ever did any sort of campaigning when I was in high school was when picking class valedictorian, what they did was they had, you know, everybody who wanted to, to apply, and then basically you had the students vote on the first round of people, mm -hmm. And then you would write your speech and you'd present it to a panel of teachers and then they would choose from there. 
when you had the presentation to the students, everybody gathered in the gym and you could do a speech. I did a video. <laughs> I remember you making yeah. that video. It didn't involve like kind of like stop motion stacking books. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It was very cheesy and very fun, but it was just like, yeah, I love that. Just embrace that fun, weird, creative side of yourself if you want to be authentic. And yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I ended up going to the next round, so people liked it. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I it's it's true. These ads are so much fun. It makes me uh makes me kind of wish well no, I don't wish I was in student council. I don't think it would have been that fun. But, <laughs> but yeah, fun ads. Huh. That was fast. I bet she has us on speed dial. I bet a lot of popular kids have us on. It's me, Barney Oscarson. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I love that part uh, so much. I love it. <laughs> So previously, Robbie had called out Ray for cutting off Jennifer Peoples and saying that censorship wasn't their thing. Yeah. So he puts out the call to the presidential candidates and invites them to call in and kind of talk about their platform. They get their first call. They assume it's from Jennifer and it's actually from Barney. And there's just like a record scratch and like a like a quick cut to Ray. It's perfect. And it's so funny. It's so good. I uh... Honestly, my ideal ending to this episode would have been that Barney won. Right? I love Barney. You're on the air. This is Jennifer Peoples, and I have a few gripes about Lily Randall. So after Barney calls in with kind of his his goofy little phone call, Jennifer calls in specifically with a list of things that she doesn't like about Lily. It's just gossip. Yeah, it's it's just mean gossip. But while this is going on, Lily obviously is not at the station. She's at the high school campaigning. Yeah. Again, with the timelines, there's a ton of students still here, Mm -hmm. but she's going around giving people pink stamps. And she stamps one of the kids passing by, and she says it's cherry flavored. You supposed to lick it? Don't don't eat that ink. Don't eat the. Don't ink. do that. Cherry scented, maybe. Yeah, if it was cherry scented, you put flavored. No, not only like from like <laughs> a toxicity standpoint, but like like the stamp itself has touched so many people at oh, that yeah. point. And That's you've already so covered in germs. That's like, nasty. Yeah. I'm going to stamp this on your arm and then you should lick it. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately wash off the symbol for yes. your endorsement. Somebody's got to have done the math to realize Shady's not there and Lily's at the school. Oh, like <laughs> this, this continues like Lily specifically, like in the previous episode, all of her petitioning, but this one just... Is so bad at keeping her own cover for being the one who's like really pushing for them to be undercover. I feel like Travis has got to have the soundboard capabilities to like record a bunch of clips of like just Shady saying like, yeah, or I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like you can like fake it. Yeah. <laughs> you are not going to believe this. What, is your tongue swelling? It's not my fault. I knew I shouldn't have trusted Ray. No, it's worse. Did Ray fucking pierce somebody's tongue? <laughs> No, I think she means because the ink, like she was telling people that it was flavored, oh. that it was like a chemical reaction. Oh, okay, because I totally thought she was a tongue piercing, <laughs> and that Ray like her campaign pierced her tongue. Or no, like she just became friends with this girl, and hey, was like, and Ray was like, hey, I'll pierce your tongue. Wait. Your thought process was genuinely not even related to the campaign. Ray just pierced her tongue. <laughs> Clearly, I took a bit of a walk. Sammy. I didn't. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I did not make the connection from cherry flavored to tongue swelling. I immediately thought, oh, she pierced her tongue and Ray did it for some reason. (laughs) Okay, what is is Lily's dynamic in that? Why is 
how is Lily involved? How is that not just an interaction between Ray and Pinkhead? Was was Lily like mitigating this? I don't know. It makes no sense now. It made so much sense before. Okay. I, it never made sense. It never made sense. <laughs> Just like weeping in a corner. It never made sense. I thought Ray was a tongue piercer. <laughs> tongue piercer is my favorite bombshell <laughs> movie. <laughs> Fuck off. Pinkhead hands Lily her headphones, and Lily listens, puts on the headphones just in time to hear Jennifer say, Number 33, she smells really bad. <laughs> what a thing to say. And why haven't the boys cut her off at this point or yeah. like called her out? Like I get yeah. like what they're trying, like they're trying to avoid what Ray did last time and just fully cutting her off, but not like challenging what she's saying at all. Yeah. Just being like, this is, stop it. Yeah. When you're getting into mudslinging territory, you can, you can fully moderate and be like, this isn't appropriate. Yeah. Come on, guys. Um, I don't know. I was trying to think like, what kind of stuff would J peeps call me out for? Like, when she's, like, like going on to all those little gossipy things. And she'd probably call me out for, like, joining student council and then not actually doing anything. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, any, like, potential, like, high school or lower, considering she's calling stuff out from the fifth grade. Like, yeah. the most scandalous things that you've done. Yeah. I was technically suspended from high school. What? Yeah, because uh, you... Obviously, you were required to get vaccinations in high schools. Yeah. And this isn't turning to me into me being an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> Jody's not an anti-vaxxer. Okay. Um, but because we had moved across the country, my health records didn't get transferred over from like the Alberta system to the Ontario system. Oh, so it looked like I didn't have all the proper vaccinations. So they were like, you can't fucking come to school. Get out of here. So like, I never got properly. I never missed any school. But I have the letter saying that I was suspended. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So that's probably, like, my big scandal. <laughs> Jennifer Peeps is, Jody doesn't believe in vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> Take it right to the anti-vaxxer stance. I love it. I feel like I feel like Jennifer would have given me shit for just how much I procrastinated. And, like, courses I, like, dropped and stuff because I didn't have time to do them. Yeah. Because I procrastinated. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, actual scandalous stuff. The only thing I can think of wasn't really a school thing, but it was close enough to school property was like on the last day of grade seven, we went across to the mall that was like across from our school. Yeah. And I was hanging out with my friends and a couple of them were like playing around with a shopping cart and they ran with it and they let it go and it hit some guy's car just as he was like coming out of the mall and he like freaked out and started yelling at us. So we ran inside the mall and we basically hid inside the comic store until like we saw him pass. Oh my god! That's my one brush with delinquency. Oh, <laughs> and I didn't even push the cart. Oh, <laughs> tiny rebel Sammy. Oh god. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so Jennifer finishes her tirade against Lily. Um, they put on some music, and Lily comes in, and she is pissed. Yeah. I can't believe you guys invited Jennifer to call in and diss me for twenty minutes. Actually, it was only fifteen. We played a song in between dissings. Which is so weird. Just be like. Hold on for a second. We're going to play a song and then you can continue to insult this lady afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So Lily decides it's her turn at the microphone and she manages, again, this musical prodigy manages to like pull together like, all, it's it's another political ad, but clearly she does it like right then and there, kind of like improvs her way through it, like parodying like a Jennifer Peoples ad and then going to hers, which is like much like rockier and stuff. Um, 
encouraging people to like choose differently and like barney's on board he gets so riled up and he's got his megaphone and he tells everybody to think pink because he's a sucker for lily's sexy voice which if he likes her voice so much does he know that she's shady lane yeah i <laughs> i have a lot of questions we will get into the the <laughs> dynamics of Lily's voice on the radio in yes. the second half. <laughs> My goodness. But Lily is riled up and ready to keep campaigning. So this week for CanCon commercial break, I'm going to be talking about a show that was actually one of my favorite shows yeah. growing up. I'm going to talk about Martin Mystery. Yay! So, Martin Mystery aired from 2003 to 2006. Uh, it aired on YTV and VRAC in Quebec. It was produced in collaboration between Marathon Media, Ray Fiction, and Image Entertainment Corporation. You probably know Marathon Media from producing Totally Spies, ah, which was like my favorite, favorite show when I was like five. Totally it was like so influential. That was like the game that we would play, me and my friends. Like, ah. we wouldn't play House, we would play Totally Spies. Would you be Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam was my favorite. So Totally Spies and Martin Mystery are done very much in the same animation style. But this show was a French-Canadian-Italian production created by, and I'm sorry for pronunciation, <laughs> Vincent Chalvon de Marseille and David Michel. So it was based on an Italian comic book of the same name what? by Alfredo Castelli. In the comic book, Martin, the main character, is an art historian, archaeologist, anthropologist, adventurer, writer, television producer, and collector of unusual objects. Holy fuck. It was based in New York City, where he helped the New York police and the U.S. secret government agency in their investigations. Jeez. All I it, remember from the TV show is Martin's just kind of a dumb teen. <laughs> it's it's a very, very different vibe. Yeah. Um, a lot grittier and some like very different character dynamics. I'll get into that a little later. So here is a synopsis of the TV show. This says, The series reimagines the comic book's main characters, Martin Mystery and Diana Lombard, as 16-year-old step-siblings attending Torrington Academy, a high school in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Wow. They work for a covert organization known as the Center, which covertly protects the people of Earth from supernatural threats. Their allies in the Center include Billy, a small green-skinned alien who is one of Martin's best friends, and Java, a caveman from 200,000 years ago who works as a janitor at Torrington Academy. Martin's vast knowledge of the supernatural and his remarkable intuition make him a valued agent of the center and compensate for his huge ego and poor personal hygiene. <laughs> Diana resents these flaws at times, as Martin often does not seem to understand the seriousness of his missions, but generally loves him like any sister. I'll go into some excerpts from each of their character descriptions. Uh, so here's a quick line about Martin. Desserts are the key to maintaining this awesome bot. Regardless of whether he is at school or on a mission, he remains an immature and hyperactive nerd, constantly bursting with energy. He seldom thinks before leaping into danger, often helping those in peril whenever the team are on a mission. So he's voiced by Samuel Vincent, who is from North Vancouver. He may be most well-known for voicing Double D in Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Whoa! Yeah, I didn't know that either. Amazing! Um, and then also Capital D in Mary-Kate and Ashley in Action. <laughs> Oh, that was like that animated show? Yeah, yeah. Oh my or one goodness. of them had like crimped hair and one of them didn't. And that's how you told them apart, I think. <laughs> um, He voiced Jason in What About Mimi, which is another Canadian oh, cartoon. Oh, yes. Amazing. And he was the singing voice for Sonic the Hedgehog in Sonic Underground. Fuck. 
So Diana is a clean freak, goody-goody overachiever and the brainiac of the trio. <laughs> Piece of advice, Martin. If you want to pick up girls, you should probably step up the personal grooming. She can be very jumpy and squeamish at times, which leads to Martin calling her a wimp. However, she shows great courage when called upon, and her intelligence often comes in handy on their missions. Not sharing Martin's love for the paranormal, she often tries to reason with logic instead of jumping to conclusions. So you kind of get like that Mulder Scully kind of... Yeah. One is the the supernatural, one's the practical yeah. kind of thing. Hopefully with less of the romantic tension. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just got some interesting backstory facts. Um, but she's voiced by Kelly Sheridan, who's from Ottawa, grew up in Vancouver. Oh, that name sounds so familiar. You may know her, if you're a fan of the show, from voicing Starlight Glimmer, Misty Fly, Sassy Saddles, and God knows who else on My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. <laughs> really, there's a lot of voices. But I, I didn't know this, but this was an exciting thing for me to learn. She voiced Songo in Inuyasha. Yes, that's where I knew it from. Yeah, oh, which was like another one of my favorite shows growing up, Aww. and I I'd never made that connection before. Man, now, now I want to rewatch Inuyasha. Yasha Martin mystery and totally spies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> let's just let's just marathon them. Yeah. Marathon the marathon. Uh she also voiced in What About Mimi, but oh, the nice. character that she did isn't listed. And this is really cool. She was also Barbie in a bunch of the Barbie movies, if not all of them. Nice. The first being Barbie and the Nutcracker in 2001, yeah. which is like a, a favorite of a lot of people kind of of our generation. So that's cool. Amazing. Good job, Kelly Sheridan. She's she's had a really um, extensive and successful career as a voice actor. So that's awesome. Is Barbie the Nutcracker the one where like like there's that one gift where the people say Yeah, the, like, the dancing at the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, a bit about Java. He's voiced by Dale Wilson. One of the first things that came up was that he was in the 2003 adaptation of Ben Hur. What? That's fun. Uh, wait, he... wait. There was a 2003 <laughs> Ben Hur. Like, it was like a really bad animated movie. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> um, he also voiced Wellman Matrix in Reboot, another Canadian nice. classic. That so like coming up. There's yep. a ton of crossover across oh, yeah. all all of these guys. Um. And was also in What About Mimi. Oh my god. <laughs> like, all these guys collaborated a bunch of times. And this is super cool. He was the announcer for the opening and closing ceremonies of the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics. Wow. Yeah. So that's cool. Job, Java Dale. the Caveman. Yeah, I do love that, you know, with Java. It's like, hey, welcome to the future. You get to be a janitor now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then there's Mom, who's kind of their director. Uh, Mom stands for Mystery Organization Manager, but her real name is like is also Olivia Mandel, so Ms. Olivia Mandel. Don't be alarmed, Java. It's just the center's virtual combat simulator. She oversees the investigation of paranormal activities throughout the world. I, I had mentioned before that this series is produced by the same people who produced Totally Spies. So there was, of course, a crossover episode between Martin Mystery and Totally Spies, because how could there not be? Wait, what? Yeah. Oh. Totally mystery much. Oh, my God. Um, and in that episode, it was revealed that Mom had a possible romantic history with the boss of the spies, Jerry. Jerry? Yeah. Uh, much to the spies and Martin's displeasure, as the two of them kind of, like, flirt throughout the mission. Whoa. Yeah. So that's, like, a fun dynamic. Damn. So Mom was voiced by Terrell Rothery, who you may know as Dr. Janet Fraser in Stargate SG-1. Oh, cool. Or as Jean Loring in Arrow. So I had mentioned that 
the tone of the show is a bit different from the comics. So here's kind of like some key differences. First is that the center isn't a thing. Like the agency that they work for isn't a thing. Martin's just kind of like, like an independent guy. Yeah, independent guy who works like with some actual like established agencies. Oh, cool. Um, Java doesn't talk in the comics. He's just a caveman who's incapable of speech. Uh, Diana is Martin's fiance, not his stepsister. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. <ugh. laughs> Um, and Martin plays like this like serious noir-esque lead in the comics. It's wow. more serious and gritty. So kind of like an interesting take with the show. Like yeah. it was a very fun kids show, but like source material wise changed a lot in adaptation. The comics sound interesting. Yeah. The TV.com description for the show says, Creepy but true. Martin Mystery is a dripping goo fest of slime, thrills, and laughs. Starring uh-uh. Martin and Diana, two mismatched teenagers with hilariously opposite personalities. Um... Dripping Goo Fest does not sound like a good way to describe Every anything. single description of this show has, like, slime or goo in it. Every single synopsis. <laughs> a big old focus. Common Sense Media, a nonprofit organization providing independent reviews, age ratings, and other information about all types of media, wrote about the show, Scooby-Doo meets X-Files. Tween's okay. What? Tween's okay? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> grammatically, Scooby-Doo meets X-Files, semicolon, tweens okay so i think that they're they're saying the tweens are okaying the show the kids are all right (laughs) (laughs) the the show grew a a bit of a a fan base as said this this ran until 2006 so this is from a little while ago but on december 24th 2013 due to increasing popular demand for season four and more it was announced and confirmed on the official marathon media and totally spies facebook page that the producers of the show we're working on a new season of Martin Mystery after the Facebook page had garnered over 100,000 likes from fans. Oh my god. Which is very interesting. Now, this leads me to a segment that I didn't think would be a recurring thing on the show. Oh no. Things that shouldn't be changed.org petitions. <laughs> <laughs> there are not one, but two separate change.org petitions for there to be a season four of Martin Mystery. Wow. So here's here's an excerpt from one that was made last year last year (laughs) yes the year of our jesus 2019 yes this is from 2019 uh here's here's like a bit of the the blurb that's in this petition says recently back in 2013 marathon media announced on its official facebook page due to the popularity of the show from fans the producers have considered a great new seasons project but there's no other official news after seven years Many fans have been crazy about news on the new season. It's 2019, and we require an update to the development of... (laughs) It's 2019, and we require this. It's 2019, and we require an update to the development of the fourth season of Martin Mystery and its fate as the show still has a lot of potential. We need more official updates and progress. A few things that fans expect to see if season four is in production. Oh, shit. (laughs) The art style of Martin Mystery should look as the original. The old iconic intro music should remain and make a comeback as it is such iconic and memorable. Such iconic. Such iconic. The series was very similar to another marathon media produced show called Totally Spies, which continued all the way to season five and a revival for a sixth season was made and that was broadcasted in 2013. It is quite unfortunate that its sibling show, Martin Mystery, was very short and only lasted three seasons, whereas Totally Spies even got an animated movie on the origins of the main characters. If it is possible, 
Please release Blu-ray versions of seasons one to three, and the soundtracks produced for the show should be released as well. It has the best produced soundtracks for a cartoon show back then because it is quality, unique, and great. <laughs> so unique. not only demanding another season, but also like releases on Blu-ray and gives the soundtracks. We require them. It's 2019. We require them. It's 2019. <laughs> like very intense. Yeah. Um, very entitled. <laughs> At the time of recording, this petition hit 100 sig- signatures about a week ago. 100 signatures. <laughs> but um, people are really pushing for a season four in yeah. 2019. I, I had a quick look through the Martin Mystery Wiki, and there's a couple, there's a lot of comments. There's a lot of people being very active in this wiki. So here's a couple of my favorite comments. Uh, this one says, I've made up my mind. I'm going to become a million <laughs> and produce Martin Mystery season four myself. I'm going to become a million? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, okay. seeing as untalkative bunny costs 4.2 million, you, you might need to become like, <laughs> more than a million. <laughs> yeah, and here's here's another one of my favorites. Guys, they're doing another reboot of Scooby-Doo. The 13-1, and Martin Mystery doesn't even get one. Scooby-Doo has had its day in the sun for generations. <laughs> <laughs> it's time Martin gets a reboot. Move over, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh my god. Very aggressive <laughs> anti-Scooby-Doo. Oh, shit. Now, I will say... um. I just, I had so much fun reading the reviews on IMDb for Angela Anaconda. So I, I took a look <laughs> for, for this one and they're largely favorable. Yeah. A lot of them are like, this was a really good, fun show. Yeah. Like either from people who watched it as a kid or from parents who like watched it with their kids. And everyone's like, it's a good, fun show. And it is, you know, it's kind of like paranormal murder mystery, mm-hmm. kind of monster of the week kind of show. But here's, here's a review. I'm not exactly a fan of Martin Mystery, but I think this show is really nice. Only for the exception of too much slime. I understand that it's one of the highlights of the show, just like the stereotypical teenage girls and gadgets of Totally Spies, but I can't get why it always has to be green and opaque. It's like they don't even know that there are other colors of slime and other forms of liquid. Not to mention slime is always in every single episode of Martin Mystery. You don't really, appreciate the dripping goo fest. They're really against the slime qualities. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Have you ever heard of the Ideas Wiki? I have not. So I stumbled across this just trying to find more Martin Mystery content. And it's basically like fanfic Wikipedia. It's just people will make like fake Wikipedia pages for things that they wish existed. Wow. Yeah. So this is from um, the Ideas Wiki page for the new Scooby-Doo movies reboot. Which would be a reboot of, like, the new Scooby-Doo movies from the 70s, which would have, like, celebrity cameos in, like, these little Scooby-Doo adventures. Uh So somebody's gone out and, like, made a page for what they would want to see in, in this reboot. So I bring this up because included in this is an episode called More Martin Mystery Adventures, which is the second episode of the eighth season. I, what? Of their fictional show. Huh? Yep. But let me, I, I want to go a little bit more to go off on this tangent, a little more about what this author wants in this new Scooby-Doo movies reboot. So wait, so the new Scooby-Doo movies, like the Martin mystery is, is an episode of Scooby-Doo? Yeah. <laughs> huh? Yeah. They want a crossover, oh like one goodness. episode crossover with Martin Mystery appearing. Where Martin takes away Scooby's day in the sun. <laughs> but yeah, they've they've dedicated this whole page. They've got trivia, trivia? about this fictional show. <laughs> fictional show. Um, but yeah, like 
I'll I'll take you through like the crossovers that they're looking for. Oh, so man. season one, episode one is Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Episode two is of course Justin Bieber. You got Inspector Gadget. You got Fillmore. You got Sailor Moon. Oh, I don't. Brendan Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> so Jonas Brothers. Eight seasons worth of these. Yep. They've got fake synopses written out. So so this one's called A Haunted Lab Mystery, where Martin Mystery would be the cameo. Scooby and the gang travel to North Dakota, where they meet Martin Mystery, Diana, and Java the Caveman, until Diana developed a crush on Shaggy. They receive a till. Right? Then they did not meet them anymore. <laughs> they receive an invitation from Dr. Howard Bushman for the amazing secret formula that turns rotten food into good food when a phantom haunts the lab. <laughs> That's it. We got Puffy Amiyubi, which is like Steven U- Drake Bell. <laughs> there are a couple of Martin Mystery episodes in here. Oh, this man. is from the episode, the fictional episode, I will reiterate. Yes. It came from the Gateway. Synopsis is when Martin is on a two week suspension from the center, Mystery Inc. and the rest of the center agents go find mom until they uncover what mom was really up to. She was on a secret mission to unlock the gateway to the underworld. Spoiler alert. What? (laughs) They wrote out 14 seasons of this fake show. Wow. So that's Martin Mystery. Um, if you're Marathon Media and you're listening and you're going to do a season four, there's already some synopses written out for you. It's truly a gift that in the age of the internet... We we are able to partake in what would probably be a pile of loose leaf papers <laughs> in somebody's binder years oh, ago. Oh my gosh. So uh so to close out this segment, I'll do my six degrees of RFR. So Martin Mystery, as I had stated, is closely tied with Totally Spies. Yeah. So the voice of Alex, who's one of the main characters on Totally Spies, is Toronto native Katie Griffin. Oh, hell yeah. Sailor Mars, baby. There you go. That's the connection. So she voiced Ray or Sailor Mars in Sailor Moon. And as we've kind of discussed previously, also involved in Sailor Moon is Tracy Hoyt. Yes. Emily Mitchell, the English teacher. Amazing. So that's Martin Mystery. Um, maybe keep an eye out for season four, but also maybe don't use change.org petitions for that. Yeah, come on. The QA session is about to start and I need my campaign manager. Right behind you, Pinky. (laughs) What are you doing? You look like a giant pencil. We're back at the school. Lily's on the phone with Ray asking where he is because their Q&A session is about to start and she needs her campaign manager. And Ray appears and he's like dyed or clipped in extensions of like little pink bits of his hair including a rat tail wait he has a rat tail yeah yeah look at this thing what is going on there oh no all these years i never noticed he had a rat tail it's It's not even the same pink as the top of his head no but i do want to know if they're clipping or dyed because if it's dyed he had to bleach the shit out of his hair he has black hair he's jet black hair that's that's dedication and also a lot of hair damage oh my gosh this campaign better be worth it And But then Lily says, you look like a giant pencil. In what sense? I almost wondered, like, are the pink highlights supposed to be, like, eraser shavings? And now suddenly everybody's, like, dyeing their hair pink. Or just or wearing, wearing a lot pink. of pink. 42% for Jennifer. And get this. Are you ready? 48% for Lily. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh. I love how we get, like, this big reveal of 
raised pink hair and then travis casually walks into the scene wearing this like it's the worst wig that i've ever seen it's like this terrible like white blonde i don't even know how to describe this haircut yeah it's like this like patchy salmony pink terrible wig pixie cut gone massively wrong i had completely forgotten about that and had not emotionally prepared myself to see that wig yeah i kind of want to cosplay as think pink travis it's the most niche thing you where where would you cosplay just in life so you you just want to like fully commit to the aesthetic yeah of that's not cosplay (laughs) (laughs) it's it's just in life it's a new fashion but yeah nobody reacts to the fact that travis walks in with this atrocity on his head it's so bad it's so bad i love it according to travis's tiny sample size lily is in a good place she's winning according to the 12 people who talk to and she's getting a little bit freaked out so ray says just just aim your answers straight down the middle don't rock the boat which you know kind of goes against the whole point of her running but (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is where the holes start to come yeah it's kind of hitting her that she really doesn't have a campaign and she doesn't know how to like actually operate student politics yeah and we get a lot of like pensive travis shots that show like he's he's not really agreeing with this approach he has an epic pout at the yes yes this in itself might be it's got to be at least one of the images of the episode is just the the pixie wig travis Uh, yeah i think i think this is the travesty of the week is him looking so incredibly pensive while wearing the worst wig so barney is once again rapping as his campaign although he switched tactics and now he's talking about spelling so he's more english focused did did waller steer him away from science yeah i mean we know that you know there seems to be like the English curriculum seems to be pretty strong. Like we get they're some reading interesting... a ton of books. Yeah, there's free form assignments and stuff. You know, they're like we don't believe in science here at the school, Barney. No petri dishes. Yeah, slow your roll. So as much as Ray looks really happy with Lily's speech, it doesn't go well. Uh, Barney first asks her a question about why only the jocks get awards banquets and she doesn't have a clear answer for that oh, it's also, really cheesy it's so bad yeah. she says you know well i'm not an athlete being myself is its own reward and waller like thinks like that's great it's oh, a great political move and it's, it's very it's funny it is very politician-y and waller like gets that he's like yeah you got this yeah but then she gets called out by pinkhead pinkhead because now like everybody has pink hair so yeah. it looks like she's just one of lily's followers mm-hmm. and we kind of come to the realization that lily hasn't done anything f- to go against like jennifer people's conforming ideology because her response is that now you're part of something bigger so she's yeah. really just flipped the conformity i think my favorite part of the scene is lily's kind of a little bit stunned she's not entirely sure how to answer Pinkhead. yeah and waller does this like indecipherable like little hand swimming thing. yeah he like waves his arms in and out i don't actually know what that direction is <laughs> like serpentine <laughs> be a snake be a snake <laughs> i don't know you know i don't know if i really feel right about all this anymore is this about the q a session because you were great in there just like a ninth grade president yeah just like a waller suck up you mean so after the kind of failure of that speech we see Lily just, like, hanging out in the gym. Yeah. Just, like, bouncing a basketball. And I remember the scene very clearly, partially because the song that leads into it was, like, one of my favorites in the entire show. We'll, we will be talking about it a little later during our, our Mickey's Diss segment. But, oh, it's just one of my favorites. But we get 
this kind of sweet interaction between Lily and Travis, he comes in to check up on her and it's it's kind of nice because it's establishing that Travis is like a really good person for her to to speak to yeah. and be be open with. He's he's very like he's got this very like openly caring expression on his face, which is just really sweet. He's just kind of care. He's concerned about his friend, and you know he he tells her she's done great, but she can she can feel that it's not true to herself. So she's she's unhappy. Travis gives her um, the picture, presumably that he took of her on his little camera phone <laughs> it's the return of T- travis's magic cell phone camera that makes these like yeah huge images yeah somehow produces like a really good quality photo yeah it's it's kind of it's an amazing reflective moment but also yeah. <laughs> some really good spy tech what can i say yeah no it's true yeah it may look like a shitty cell phone but this is how he gives his intel to whoever <laughs> I love it. In Istanbul. Um, I'm just waiting for the Travis Totally Spies crossover now. Again, my favorite part of the scene is this, like, it's this nice touching scene between two friends and Travis ruins it with a weird pout at the end. You just see his lips it just like purses like his lips and it just makes it kind of like weird. <laughs> yeah. Just, just the funny. weird energy of this like kid in the worst wig ever just pursing his lips. So Lily goes out into the hallway. She sees a couple kids standing by a locker listening to a radio in their locker. Yeah. Which is wild very bold move i would never think to do that i guess this is what happens when you ban headphones yeah (laughs) yeah it's just like okay now we're gonna make the music public and make everybody listen to it and make a disturbance in the hallways waller loves radio so maybe he's okay with it the boys are playing one of her own songs on the radio so she has to kind of hear herself and and have this little moment of self-reflection and she kind of runs out of the hallway barney's wearing like a like a pink afro wig and he's got like a giant pink pink placard and she asks him what he's doing and he's conceited he's telling his voters to vote for her and yeah at some point he offers her his megaphone think about it it's the original cordless phone it's not how two-way communication works that's not a phone no it's a shouting machine are you okay (laughs) have you ever had a phone call I mean, maybe he doesn't understand the science of it, which is why he wants more science in the curriculum. Oh, oh, Barney. He just wants to learn. <laughs> Don't vote for Lily. She's a phony. You know, Jennifer Peoples is right about Lily's pink hair. It is a gimmick. I mean, isn't it kind of ironic that Lily champions individual expression, yet she's not the one expressing her true self? So after that interaction with Barney, Lily calls into the station as Shady Lane, which is, like, my biggest gripe in terms of, like, the identity management of this. Yeah. Because before, I mean, obviously, we have Lily as Shady on mm-hmm. the station at all times. But now we've got Lily Randall having her own public voice at school, so mm-hmm. becoming more of a recognizable voice. And she's had her, like, Lily Randall political ads on yes, the radio. Yes, that, that she recorded at the station. But I, like, kind of justified it in this kind of thing that we've been tiptoeing around of the possibility that Travis has modulated their voices in some way, as he said at the start of the Mm -hmm. show, but we're just not hearing it because that would be like annoying from like a a viewer point of view. Mm -hmm. But Lily is calling in as Shady on her cell phone. So if Travis was doing that this whole time, he can't be doing it now. She's calling as Shady Lane, but she sounds like Lily Randall. Yeah. So like, oops. Very, <laughs> how is her identity being kept secret at all in this episode? Yeah, and you know, I was quite, kind of wondering about that too, because it's like, why wouldn't she just call in as Lily Randall? 
Yeah. And but, just be like, don't, don't vote for me. Yeah. But then I kind of wondered, like, I was, as she was saying that, I was kind of thinking about the things she says earlier where Shady Lane's not afraid to speak her mind. Oh, So okay. maybe it's kind of like a self-defense mechanism. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense of, like, she's able to be a bit more honest about it. And yeah. And it's a bit easier for her to have that dynamic with um, Ray, maybe with yeah. that argument if she doesn't have to be doing it as herself technically yeah. and it's a little easier yeah to call herself out i guess yeah although it's you know it's i have to think that you know lily must have conceded because what ends up happening is so she she essentially says you know lily's phony she doesn't even like her pink hair like there's no like substance behind this and so jennifer ends up winning the election i feel like one rfr broadcast can't turn the entire election around i feel like she had to have conceded right yeah so did jennifer just win by default (laughs) yeah maybe at the end of the call ray as pronto asks why she's doing this and she says i'm doing this for lily randall and he sees her come into the studio and he's like okay and he throws away his whistle that he had for some reason as like kind of clinging to being a coach figure yeah um and they kind of silently agree to give up on the campaign and Jennifer Peoples wins the election, but we see Jennifer giving her acceptance speech in the same kind of like pearls and cardigan kind of outfit that oh, we yeah. saw earlier. There's a lot of balloons falling from the ceiling and a lot of confetti, which again, weeping for the janitors. Yeah, this poor pink janitor who's like candidate lost. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get another like little impromptu Lily song. I think by the end of the show, we're going to have to like rank our favorite like Shady Lane oh, little songs in... in- this segment yeah but i was kind of wondering so she's just sitting with her guitar and she stands up and she starts playing her guitar directly into the microphone which makes me wonder how like the audio would actually sound if we were listening to this as like a listener to the show because the microphone is nowhere near her mouth she's just playing an electric guitar (laughs) directly into a microphone (laughs) i know you've made some great points about lily's stage fright before it's it's kind of cool to see, you know, Lily's still going to be subversive just in her own way. It doesn't have to be through politics. It can be through art. It can be through music. And it can be through this, like, personality she's embracing. Yeah. Yeah, that's episode seven, Political yeah. and Pink. It's, it's a good episode of kind of establishing Lily's own fears and kind of her gaining more confidence in a position where she has to be herself. Mm-hmm. So even though the campaign itself doesn't end up being successful or pers- like being something that is worth pursuing in the end, we do see like this kind of character development, especially from like previously when she was petitioning and she was really awkward with people, mm-hmm. to being able to like approach people in the hallway yeah. and have like a successful kind of confident dynamic with them. So it's it's good Lily growth and we yeah. love Lily, so that's great. And it's a fun it's a fun microcosm of politics. So I think we're gonna head over to Mickey's Discs. Again, this is from Radio Free Roscoe for tripod.com. Yeah. So thank you to the author of these, but the also take these with a grain of salt. We cannot fact check them. <laughs> In this list is Times Like These, Foo Fighters, Motivation by Some Forty One, Victoria by Eleven Minutes Away, and Far Away by Knacker. Oh, which hell is yeah. our pick of the episode. This is not the first Knacker song to appear in the soundtrack and not the first Knacker song to be our song of the week. There's a um, lot of Knacker in yeah. our bar. Yeah, we previously discussed them a little bit um, when we talked about the situation in episode one. 
But if if my one takeaway from doing the show is finally finding out the name of this song, I will be happy. Yeah. Because this is like one of the most nostalgic songs for oh, me yeah. of the show. Sammy and I will sing the opening line to this at each other all the time. And for years, I've like searched the lyrics that I could remember and oh. couldn't remember the name of the song at all. So yeah. this is like being able to like find it again and listen to it just wow. makes me really happy. Yeah, and it's great. It'll just be like sunny out or something. And it'll just say, <laughs> another sunny day, despite the way I feel. Yeah, but um, we first hear this song in that section where Lily is sitting in the gym, kind of bouncing a basketball, and her and Travis have that little heart to heart. And it's just it's just a good song. I mean, I won't go too deep into the band. We've already talked about Nacker a little bit, or at least what we can uh, find out about them. But it's it's a sweet little song. Even in that gym scene, I heard a, a lyric I hadn't heard before, where it's like the beginning of another verse, and he says something like, something, 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 and make myself a meal. And now I kind of <laughs> want to use that as a thing when I'm making food. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'll probably turn into something. I will say, I looked up Far Away Knacker lyrics and was met by William Francis by Chumbawamba. <laughs> <laughs> same thing, same song. Wasn't Chumbawamba, I saw on Facebook, like, there was that, like, Cats, the movie. Name. Yeah, yeah, it was like, what would your your name be if you were a jellical cat? And my cat name was Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba is a tub-thumping cat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem of being enamored with a Canadian teen show, is it's full of obscure-ass music. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's obscure, um, but if you can find it to, to listen to, I definitely recommend it. It is it's on just, YouTube. It's just like a, a nice kind of mellow ballad. Oh, very mellow. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, the sun is out, but you're not feeling so good. And it's, an, it's another sunny day despite the way you feel. <laughs> Thanks, Snacker. If I if I make myself a meal, can I call it a snacker? And that's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this has been episode seven of Radio Free Roscoe and episode seven of Podcast Free Roscoe. You can find us on social media at Podcast Free Roscoe on Instagram and Facebook and Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. If you have any questions that you would like us to talk about on air or any comments about this episode, you can send us a voice clip to our email at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com. This is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. Podcast Free Roscoe.